This is Carrie D. Welcome to the Coffee with Carrie Homeschool Podcast. Join me every Thursday for some much needed encouragement, coffee, and conversation. It's my prayer this podcast will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. Hey, if you're blessed each week by our podcast, Coffee with Carrie, then make sure you check out my book, Just Breathe, and take a sip of coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. And then share our podcast with some of your homeschooling friends who might need a little encouragement too. You can also find me at Instagram at Coffee with Carrie Consultant or at our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. So stick around, pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and take a little coffee break with me. I think, no, I know, you're going to be encouraged. Hi, y'all. I'm so glad that you're joining me for this week's podcast on homeschooling the high school years. If you have a toddler or a little one, don't skip this episode. I think it will help calm any fears or concerns that you might have about homeschooling through the high school years. And I hope you can join us at our Coffee with Carrie fifth annual special weekend for homeschooling moms. This year, it's going to be in sunny California again on March 18th and 19th. Now, we like to kick off the weekend on Friday night with a homeschooling high school Q&A session. It's always best to start with the end in mind. So for our first session of the weekend, we like to talk about the freedoms and flexibilities and blessings of homeschooling the high school years. Now, our panel is full of moms and dads who have successfully homeschooled and graduated their kids. We've got some second-generation homeschoolers who were homeschooled through high school and are now moms homeschooling their own children. And my favorite part of the panel are homeschool graduates. I asked some of my favorite young adults to share their homeschool high school journeys, what they're doing now, either on college campuses or in the workforce, and how homeschooling through high school blessed them and prepared them. So we end our Friday evening with our panel of experts answering your high school questions. Now, if you would like more information on our special weekend event for homeschooling moms, or you want to join us in March, go to my new website, coffeewithcarry.org. You'll see the registration button. Now, in this episode, I want to talk with you about the high school years. Now, when we started homeschooling, I always told my husband, look, we're going to homeschool through eighth grade, but then I'm putting the kids in traditional high school. I was so afraid of doing high school at home. I didn't think I was smart enough or organized enough. I was afraid the kids were going to miss out on important things. I really thought I was going to mess them up for their life. But I'm so glad that God had other plans, and I'm so glad that my kids convinced me to do high school at home. It was actually one of the best homeschooling decisions that we ever made. Now, I thought teaching the wonder years was fun, but in all honesty, I think I had even more fun teaching and learning right alongside my kiddos during the high school years. If our family could do high school at home, well, folks, Anybody can do it. And it's a lot easier than you think. 
Now, since each state has its own graduation requirements and different universities and trade schools have their own admission requirements, I will focus on the main academic areas that all states will require and how you might meet those requirements in different ways. Now, make sure you also listen to season one of Coffee with Carrie, episode number 13, entitled, So, You're Thinking of Homeschooling High School. And then listen in season two, episode number 34, High School, Expectations, College, Kingdom Work, and Beyond. In those episodes, I also talk about the basics of high school, but I focus more on the blessings and the advantages and the wonderful freedoms and flexibility that come with our homeschooling high school for both the college-bound student and the the outside-of-the-box entrepreneur type of teen. I talk more about using these years to build a strong foundation on God's word and truths, on building strong parent-child relationships and strong sibling relationships, and on building your child's self-confidence and God-confidence. They're really great how-to and why-should-we episodes too, so make sure you listen to season one and two as well. Now in this episode, let's tackle the first thing that most parents ask about homeschooling high school. It's, if my child wants to go to college, can he get in as a homeschool graduate? Well, the answer to that is a resounding yes. Yes, mamas, they can. Not only are universities accepting homeschool graduates, but many of them are actively pursuing them. I think really the biggest concerns for parents are, one, how do I create an official transcript? Two, Can a high school diploma be issued when a student is homeschooled? And three, will universities, military, cosmetology programs, trade schools, and other employments like that recognize a homeschool diploma and transcript? Okay, so first, go to the Homeschool Legal Defense Association website to see what graduation requirements are needed for your state. I have their link in the show notes. Then, if your teen is university-bound, go to the website of the university your teen is interested in to see exactly what is required for their admissions. Now, make sure you check their homeschool tab. Most universities now have separate or different requirements for homeschool graduates. Now, use the university's admissions guidelines and your state's requirements to plan out your teen's four years of high school. If any testing is needed, like the SAT or the ACT, start looking into what scores are needed for admission and then when or where your teen can start taking those tests. Now, keep in mind, most universities since COVID are now test optional, but some colleges will require an SAT or an ACT score for homeschool graduates as one way to verify their transcript. If your child has an interest in the military, or the fire academy, or trade school, or some kind of certificate or credentialing program, just do the same thing. Go to the program's website and research what's needed to enter that program. Sometimes a specific test is needed, or a special prerequisite class is needed for admission into, you know, different particular programs. Use your state's graduation requirements and the program's admission requirements to help you plan your teen's four years. Okay, so now that you've checked out the Homeschool Legal Defense Association's website and you now know what your teen needs to graduate in your state, you just need to document his coursework by creating a transcript. 
Now you can use a simple Word or Excel program to create your own, or you can find a Google template online. However, I have two favorite services and resources that I've used with my own kids and when my husband and I ran a PSP program in Southern California. Now, the first one is Homeschool Legal Defense Association's website. They have a transcript service that you can use for a very small fee. The second one is a service called academicrecords.net. Again, I have the link to both of those in the show notes. Now, both of these sites walk you through the process of creating an official transcript. You plug in the course titles like Algebra 1 or Biology. Then it has everything else you need. It will ask how many credits were earned, the final grade your student got, if you want to designate the class as honors or AP, which academic year it was taken, and even a space for instructor name or notes if there's something unique that you want to include about the course. This program calculates the GPA for you, and it creates a very official-looking transcript. Make sure you include the student's full name, the school's full name, the date he or she started his freshman year, and the anticipated graduation date on your transcript. Both also allow you to send the transcript through services like Parchment, which is sometimes needed for NCAA or other things like that. Now, once your teen graduates, it's nice to have a physical diploma. Again, you can create your own or use templates on the internet. For our kids, and again, for the PSP that we used to run in Southern California, we use the company homeschooldiploma.com. Again, I have this link in the show notes for you. These diplomas are absolutely beautiful and very professional. You can designate honors on the diploma, You can include scripture on the cover and even a few other personalized things if you want. Now, in all honesty, not one university ever asked to see the physical diploma of my kids. Now, on applications for community colleges and universities and employment, it asked if, you know, they graduated, when and from where, and did they receive a a diploma. But, you know, no one ever asked to actually see the diploma but it is really nice to have one. So the answer to those three most commonly asked questions is it is super easy to create a transcript and to issue a high school diploma. And yes, your student can use both of them to get accepted into college. Now, all you need to do is make a four-year plan and keep accurate records so you know what to include on the transcript. So let's talk about planning your teen's high school years. You always want to start with the end in mind, which is why you should do this planning with your teen. (laughs) And if your teen is college bound, to start looking at possible colleges he or she may want to attend and do that together. It's okay if your freshman has no idea. (laughs) You just don't want to limit your teen's options by not planning ahead. Now, if your son or daughter thinks that they want to go to college, but they don't really have one in mind. Well, then check out your local state university and a local private university and use some of their admission requirements as like a plumb line. Most universities require pretty much the same things. If your student has no desire to go to college or he or she plans to do community college after graduation, then all you really need is your state's requirements for graduation to help you create a four-year plan. And of course, this plan can be very flexible. 
If your student wants to go to the fire academy or enter the military after graduation, you might want to look into some of the things that they will need for admissions and plan to use those as your teen's electives. For example, if your son wants to be an EMT, then maybe add a first aid class and an extensive CPR training course as one of his electives or one of his science classes. If your daughter thinks she might want to be a chef or she might want to own her own bakery, then maybe find a few culinary classes or workshops that she can take as electives or maybe even as her chemistry class. This is the best part of homeschooling the high school years. You can cater your teen's four-year plan and coursework to his or her strengths, passions, and their future plans. Now, if they don't really know what they like yet, then you can use the high school years to take a variety of -of out-of-the-box kind of classes and do different work experiences and internships and volunteer work to help your teen find that spark or passion. Okay, so how do you determine if your teen did enough work or learned enough to give them high school credit on the transcript? Well, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association summarizes it in a few ways. Okay, so the first one is if your child spends about 150 hours on any given topic, you can give them high school credit. Now, you don't have to keep a minute by minute or an hour by hour log. Basically, if your student spends about five hours on something each week, that's about an hour a day, for 30 weeks, it's good. If the class is an elective, then Homeschool Legal Defense Association suggests only 120 hours are needed. Now, if it's a lab type of class or an honors kind of a class, they recommend about 180 hours. But as your child's teacher, you know if they're putting in the work. Okay, another way to look at it is if your student spends about 50 minutes a day, five days a week, for about 30 to 32 weeks on something, then he has earned credit. Now, if you're a traditional homeschooler, then this will fit perfectly in your teen's schedule. Again, it's a ballpark figure. You don't have to be dogmatic about it, and your teen can double up on some days so he can have a four-day week or maybe take a day off when needed. But it's basically 50 minutes a day, five days a week for about 30 to 32 weeks. Now, a very traditional way to establish credit is if your teen finishes a high school textbook. If your child finished Algebra 1 textbook, you can give them credit for completing the Algebra 1 course. But keep in mind also that no public or private school ever completely finishes a textbook. Chapters are skipped due to time and not every problem or test is assigned. It's always at the discretion of the teacher. And the same is true for your teen. If he skips one or two chapters or doesn't finish all 189 lessons by the end of May, you can still give him credit for Algebra 1. Traditional accredited high schools, why they do this all the time with their students too. Another way to look at it is if your student is taking an outside class with a co-op or with friends, you can give him credit when he finishes the class. If he takes a college class at a local community college, you can give him credit for a full year of work, even though it only took your student one semester to do the work. Basically, anything your teen does for hours, you can give him credit for. Now, when my son got his Eagle Scout award, he spent way more than 150 hours on that project. We listed it on his transcript as leadership, and we gave him credit. 
Public school students get credit for ASB and student council, so why shouldn't homeschool kids get credit for it too? Now, my daughter, she traveled to Great Britain and spent almost a month there learning about Ireland, England, Scotland, and Wales, about their culture, their history, and their government. She spent way more than 150 hours meeting once a month to prepare for the trip and then spending almost a month there. You bet she got credit for that. And both of my kids started their own businesses their senior year. Not only did they provide a service or a product, but they also had to keep track of invoices and payments and communications with clients and fees and profits and checking accounts and expenses and all the other math stuff that goes with running a business. So I listed it on their transcript their senior year as business math and gave them high school credit. So depending on what your teen is doing and how much time he or she spends doing it, you can give them credit if you feel they have mastered it or gained enough knowledge that would have been learned in a more traditional setting. Okay, so let's talk about the four-year plan or course of study. Definitely get your teen involved in this. He or she will be more willing to do the work the high school years if they have some say-so in what they're learning and how they're learning it. And quite honestly, my teens had way better ideas than me. I was also surprised at some of the things they wanted to include in their four-year plan. The best part of homeschooling high school is your teen can do the requirements in any order they want. There's no hard and fast rule that says your student has to do biology his freshman year. There's no rule that says your student has to do American government his senior year. The state tells you what's needed to graduate, but you get to design when your student completes each of these requirements. Always start with the end in mind. So discuss with your 8th or ninth grader where they want to be or what they want to be doing when they graduate, and then work backwards to create a plan to help your student get there. Now, if your teen wants to play collegiate sports, you'll need to follow the NCAA or the NAIA requirements too, so keep those in mind as you plan. If your student wants to help run the family business, then he or she will do more internships and volunteer work with you at your family business to learn how it's run. If your teen wants to get a music scholarship and compete for a spot at one of the most prestigious conservatories, well, you're going to make sure that there's lots of practice time and private lessons built into his or her weekly schedule and yearly plans. If your son wants to be a vet, then his sciences can be geared more towards the biologies and the zoologies and the animal husbandry and marine biology instead of towards the chemistries. If your daughter wants to be a writer, then she's going to spend way more time doing English and literature and writing kinds of classes while only doing the bare minimum required for math. And if your teen wants to be an engineer, then he or she will take tons of math during his or her high school years and maybe less of the humanities. I think you get the picture, right? So let's talk about how to meet state requirements in the most common academic areas that are required. Now, most states require three to four years of English. This requirement, though, is very general. Remember, as a homeschooler, you have the freedom and flexibility to determine how your teen meets those English requirements. Now, your student can do the very traditional route of one year of American literature, one year of British literature, and one year of classic literature. But 
you really don't have to if you don't want to. You can give your student a list of books to read for the year. She reads those books and then discusses them with you or in a book club type setting. She can take traditional tests on each book or do some kind of project about the book or write an essay about the book. Or she can just read, read, and read great literature. If your teen reads a book a month, she's reading way more books than are required by the traditional high school student. They assign between three to five books a year. If you give your teen a list of literature books to read and ask her to read a book a month, well, then your teen is going to be reading 10 to 12 books a year. That's an awful lot of English credit right there. Now, another way to earn English credit is to spend the year focusing on composition and essay writing. Your student can do maybe one of the many IEW high school essay curriculums out there or Brave Writers high school units. If your teen loves to write, then maybe he spends the year writing his own novel for future publication, or he writes a series of short stories and enters them into writing contests and submits them for publication online or with different magazines. Do you know how much writing and editing and revisions are involved in writing a novel or short stories? Or your student can do a mixture of both. Read a few books, write a few essays. And if you don't know how to grade or evaluate an essay, then use an online app called Paper Rater. It does it for you. Or hire a writing tutor to just evaluate your teen's essays and offer suggestions for improvement. It's almost like his personal editor. Another way for your student to get English credit is to maybe take English 101 or English 102 at the community college, or to take a high school English or writing class in your homeschool community, or maybe online. Another way for your student to get English credit is to spend the year prepping and studying for the AP English or the AP Literature exam, or spend the year prepping to take the CLEP English or the CLEP Literature exam. Or, even if they spend the entire year studying and prepping for the reading and writing portion of the SAT and ACT, why you can give them high school credit for that. There's no need for expensive or dry high school English or literature high school textbooks. I mean, you can use those too if you want to, but your student will learn more and build his vocabulary and writing skills if he or she spends most of their time reading classic literature instead of just excerpts of literature in a dry textbook. All right, now math, that's a no-brainer. Almost every state requires at least Algebra 1 and at least one other math, maybe Algebra 2 or Geometry. Check your state standards to make sure, but if your state requires three to four years of math, make sure you plan accordingly. If your teen struggles with math, well then take your time. Consider doing half of Algebra 1 his freshman year and the second half of Algebra 1 his sophomore year. If he doesn't plan on going into a math field, there's really no reason to rush Algebra 1 in order to take three other math courses during his high school years. Now, if your teen loves math and excels in it, then consider doing Algebra 1 in 8th grade. This way, your student has all of high school to take four more higher level math classes if he wants to. Now, the easiest way to do math in high school is to get a curriculum that speaks your teen's language. If you can't find one, then save up some money and invest in a math tutor. Now, my kids like the program teaching textbooks better than Saxon and Abeka, but every homeschool is different. 
My kids really like the self-paced, interactive, immediate feedback aspects of the teaching textbooks curriculum. Now, if math is not your strong suit or your teens, well, then hire a tutor to work with your teen one-on-one each week. This will be very helpful for both you and your student. Or maybe find a math class in your homeschooling community that your teen can join. This way, he or she has an outside teacher that will hold him accountable for daily work and the chapter tests, and the teacher will take teach the concepts you don't remember and help your student with the concepts he or she doesn't understand. Now, once Algebra 1 and whatever second math requirement is needed to complete, then you and your team can be very creative with the rest of the math requirements. Take a personal finance class to learn basic math life skills. Yes, you can give your team for a Dave Ramsey type of course. Take a business math class, or like I said earlier, have your teen start his or her own business and give your teen credit for that. Take college algebra at the community college and give your teen honors credit for that. Take a logic class and give your teen math credit for that. I mean, come on, geometry proofs is full of logic. Spend all your year prepping for the math AP or the CLEP statistics test. Well, then give your teen math credit for that prepping. Call it intermediate math or AP math. Or if your student only needs two credits of math to graduate, don't do any more math after they have completed the state requirements if math is not their thing. But if your student is college bound, make sure you check the university's math requirements for admissions because there's a good chance they're going to need more than two. Now, most states require at least two sciences, one biological and one being physical science. Again, Check your state's graduation requirements and then plan accordingly. There are so many ways to meet the biology requirement. Okay, so yes, you can buy a high school biology curriculum like, a, like Apologia, which is taught from a biblical perspective. We love it. Or you can enroll in a biology class in your homeschooling community, which my kids did, and we loved it. Or take a traditional biology class online. But you can also think outside of the box for biology as well. If your family does nature studies, then there's no need to stop when your son or daughter hits ninth grade. Your teen can spend one year doing nature studies with the family, but focusing mostly on living things one year to meet the biology requirement. His labs can be field work or all the experiments and observations you did while in nature. I mean, this is how John James Audubon learned biology. Look where it got him. And this is how John Muir learned and look where it got him. Then another year of your nature studies, focus more on the rocks and weather and astronomy, and then that can be your second year of science. Now, if you require your teen to do research and a formal write-up or a paragraph or some kind of report on what he or she observed that week, and then you ask your teen to share this information in some kind of presentation with his younger siblings or with friends in a co-op, then he's observing, researching, and teaching. I mean, come on, what high school student is doing that amount of work each week in the traditional school for biology? Now, if your teen loves all things ocean, who says you have to study general biology? Spend the whole year learning about marine biology, or after doing a traditional biology course, have your teen do marine biology for advanced bio class for his second science credit. Where we live, there's an aquarium that allows teens to intern and volunteer there. 
If your student is working at a local aquarium and learning about the care of the animals on a weekly or monthly basis, now that's one awesome biology lab. If your teen loves all things botany, well then do a full year of botany and farming and gardening instead of a year of traditional biology. Again, where we live, there are a few local farms that allow teens to work and volunteer there. Milking cows, sowing seeds, picking the harvest, and helping with field trips and community classes. I mean, come on, what a fabulous lab that is. And if your teen loves all things horses or dogs or animals or reptiles, spend the year learning about those things and find a mentor or a class or a farm or a zoo or a vet or maybe even an animal shelter that your teen can work at or volunteer for. And don't forget about human anatomy. If your teen thinks he wants to be a doctor, well, then then spend a whole year learning about human anatomy and nutrition. My son wanted to get his personal trainer certificate. So his senior year before he turned 18, because usually you can't take certification exams like this till you're 18, he spent that year taking an online personal training course to help prepare him for that test. Now, this course was heavy with anatomy and nutrition. So on his transcript, we listed it as Advanced Biology, Human Anatomy, and he got credit for that. And then we listed Health and Nutrition for a half a credit. He also worked with a personal trainer at the gym, learning all he could while working out about how to be a personal trainer and how to run his own personal trainer business. So on his transcript, we listed Weight Training for PE all four years. If your student wants to get AP credit or college credit, he or she can take the AP bio exam or the CLEP bio exam. If your teen spends all year studying and prepping for one of those exams, that can be your teen's bio class and credit for the year. They do that in high school. All of this can be used to give your teen biology credit. You can call it biology on the transcript or zoology or veterinarian science or marine biology or botany 101. I'm sure he or she will be spending more than 150 hours doing one of these activities if it's something they're passionate about. All right, so now for physical science, depending on what your state requires, your student can do traditional chemistry class or a traditional physics class if they're pretty good at math. Or they can spend the year learning about earth science or geology or about astronomy or meteorology. If your teen is into computer programming or coding or app programming or robotics, you can use that for science credit or an elective credit. It just depends on how much time he or she spends programming and coding. Now, a friend of ours created an app for Alexa, and it can now be purchased on Amazon. I think she easily got science credit for that one. Okay, your kid's not so good at math, but your state requires chemistry? Well, then consider using your kitchen as the chemistry lab. There's some really great intro to chemistry programs and curriculums out there that just teach the very basics of high school chemistry. Then go get one of Alton Brown's cookbooks to use as your lab manual. I mean, most of his cookbooks are full of science and chemistry facts and figures to help you understand the process of baking and cooking and sauteing and browning and all that kind of stuff. I mean, baking and cooking really is a science. And there's tons of chemical and physical reactions happening in the kitchen. And it's really up to you to decide if your non-science kid 
really needs to master balancing chemical equations to get credit for chemistry. If he can apply scientific principles in the lab or in your kitchen, does he really need all the chemical formulas in his non-science career? Keep in mind that welding is a science. Working with an uncle who's an electrician, that's science. Learning about environmental issues and recycling and alternative energy sources, that's science. Car mechanics, that's science. All of this can be used to give your teen a science credits. And on the transcript, you can call it automotive engineering, environmental science, coding, programming, robotics, or just physical science 101. I'm sure they're going to be spending more than 150 hours doing one of these activities if it's something they're passionate about. Now, I know I'm going way over my usual 30 minutes, so let me get to the social sciences and history real quick. Most states require at least three years of history. It's usually American history, world history, and American government. Some vary and require world geography or ethics studies, which is now code for critical race theory. But again, you can purchase and use a dry traditional textbook to learn about history. It'll count. But since you have the freedom and flexibility to learn these subjects in a way that will actually engage your teen, why not think outside the box a little bit? So for American government, read the founding documents, study them and discuss them. Read other primary documents like presidential speeches, court cases like Brown versus Board of Education. Read the Federalist Papers and different doctrines that shaped history like the Monroe Doctrine and the Emancipation Proclamation. I mean, why read a textbook about these documents when you can actually read the documents? Learn about our government system. Visit Washington, D.C., talk with your state or national rep or senator, write letters to your governor, volunteer at a local political campaign office, hey, join the Joshua Generation Project, or join a speech and debate team, participate in a mock trial class, my kids did. If your student does any of these activities, he will certainly learn more than enough for high school credit in government. Now, for American history and world history, why don't you just read your way through history or watch your way through history? Create a list of historical fictions and biographies for your teen to read. Create a list of movies and documentaries for your teen to watch. And then for added fun, do this with a few of his friends once a week. This is what both my son and my daughter did for both American history and world history. We learned about it with friends while reading and discussing great literature and while watching and discussing great movies. Here's another one. Learn about American history by learning about each of our 46 presidents. As you study each president, you'll also learn about his major accomplishments, the scandals, world events happening during his term, domestic issues and major laws or amendments that were passed during his administration. If your teen loves learning through biographies and stories, then this is a great way to learn about American history. Do it through the precedents. And if you use any of these ideas for history, your teen will definitely spend more than 150 hours learning about U.S. history or world history. Now, if your teen needs a third or fourth year of social science, spend the year learning about world geography. Try memorizing the whole map. Take a psychology class or a sociology class at the local community college. It's college credit 
and high school credit for either an elective or an extra social science or humanities credit. Then guys, the rest is icing on the cake. The music, the drama, the sports, the art, the PE, whatever they're learning and spending their time doing, I'm sure you can find a way to give them credit for it. Now make sure you listen to Coffee with Carrie episodes number 12 and number 34. They're both in season one and season two. I give more ideas on how to use internships and volunteer work and mission trips and many other things as a way to earn high school credit while also discerning God's plan and purpose for your teen's life. Your main role once your teen is in high school is to come alongside them. You facilitate their learning, but they do the hard work. You find the classes or opportunities, but they attend and participate. You hold them accountable. You keep track of the paperwork so you can create a transcript for them. You remind them and you help them learn how to manage their own time. You mentor them. You guide them. You encourage them. You offer advice. Until they learn how to drive, you drive them places. But most importantly, you pray for and you pray with them. Homeschooling high school is such a wonderful time for both you and your teen. I'm so glad this was God's plan for our family, and I'm so grateful my kids convinced me to do it. Homeschooling high school was so worth it. Thank you for hanging out with me and for joining me for this little coffee break. If this is your first time joining us, you can find us at our new and improved website, coffeewithcarry.org. We also have daily devotions and homeschooling tips at our Instagram account, Coffee with Carrie Consultant. Don't forget to check out my book, Just Breathe and Take a Sip of Coffee, Homeschool and Step with God. If you're new to homeschooling or you're looking for ways to simplify and streamline your homeschooling, this is a perfect book to read. Now, if you heard something you liked, then share our podcast with a friend who might need a little encouragement this week or with a homeschooling friend who has a teenager. And if you haven't already, we would love for you to subscribe to Coffee with Carrie Podcasts and then maybe take a few minutes to leave a little review. Thank you in advance for listening to us each week and for sharing our podcast, our book, and our homeschooling mom ministry with your friends. We're so very honored and grateful. If you would like to join us in sunny California this coming March for our special weekend for homeschooling moms, check out our website, coffeewithcarrie.org. You can register there. It's our prayer that our website, our homeschooling consulting services, our podcast, and my book will help you homeschool one step at a time, one day at a time, and one cup of coffee at a time. We're praying for you. Stay healthy. God bless. And see you next time.